Welcome to the Evolve Pod, everybody. Thanks for tuning in again. Really excited this week. I've got Dan back on as the guest from last week, but this time we've got Dan's wife, Naomi, on as well. How are you doing, guys? Doing just fine. Yeah, doing really well, actually. Life's awesome. pretty good. Good. So you may recognise the voices from a Channel 4 programme called Surviving the Stone Age, which these two feature on quite heavily. It's an awesome programme on Channel 4 this uh, this week, all about uh, surviving in the Stone Age and living with primitive skills. And this episode, we're going to delve into that in some detail to find out the lessons and the skills that Dan and Naomi can take from that to apply to modern day living. So I'm really interested. I've got a little bit of background in bushcraft, nothing on any level compared to these guys. So it's going to be quite a cool conversation and, and thanks everybody for tuning in. So to give the listeners a bit of information, guys, how did you get into this bushcraft survival slash primitive skill stuff? And what does it mean? Well, let Naomi take this one on because um, I followed her on this journey. You jumped on my bandwagon, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, so I, the, the story is basically I've been working in cafes and bars and restaurants for such a long time and got to a point where people were telling me to smile at work and I just thought it was a bit of an odd concept to be smiling whilst wiping a table um so I decided from that point onwards that I wanted to find a job that made me smile instead of a job that I got paid to smile and I think it was maybe I don't know a week later or something I saw a post on Facebook from one friend to another saying that they were really enjoying their forest school course and that they um, didn't realise that they could have a job where they could be lighting fires and building dens and playing outside and teaching kids. They did, didn't realise such a job existed. And I thought, forest school, what is this you speak of? Um, so I did some research, found a course, went on a couple of courses. Um, and then from then on, found a volunteer job working in just outside of Bristol in an environment centre as a bushcraft teacher um, and basically instead of volunteering I got a job there and stayed there for a while until well you jumped on my bandwagon around I followed you, yeah well I saw, I, I saw I saw Naomi was getting paid to play in the woods and run around lighting fires and building dens and I was like blimey that seems like an easy job and lots of fun and uh, it was at the kind of time when Ray Mears and their grills were quite big as well at the top right at the beginning of the journey so like mid 2000 something like that um and it just seemed really cool and they was doing it and I was like well maybe maybe there's scope for me to to do that as well and I, I followed I followed in Nay's footstep and uh, sort of absorbed what bushcraft bushcrafty stuff was yeah and then we found we we did enjoy teaching bushcraft and survival skills and we definitely enjoyed <laughs> teaching well, I suppose both children and adults, because we've got the opportunity to mm. do both. But we both felt, I don't know, a tiny bit kind of fraudsterish, because we were teaching people how to make dens, how to make fires, how to survive in the wild. And yet these were skills that we'd learned from books or just, you know, from out in the garden or from YouTube. And we both kind of felt like, actually, we want to teach from a more authentic background we want to teach um how to build a, you know a shelter that um we did when we were living in the wild that we yeah. had to protect ourselves from the rain or we wanted to teach fire lighting from a stance where we know what it's like to light a fire in a storm and this is what we did or this is how we cooked 
Um, we wanted that experience. That we wanted ex the experience. That knowledge, that knowledge that's based with experience, like kind of wisdom in that way of being practiced. We you wanted know, to be wise. We wanted to be wise. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. wise now, and that's kind of how we got into it. And from there, it led. It led to many things. Well, uh, from there, it, it led, led to us to finding links. Yeah, links is our links was our teacher in America. She was running at the time. Um, the Four Seasons Prehistoric Project. Yeah, I wanted uh, to jump jump into this because this is quite a bit, seems like a bit of a turning point on both of your journeys with these skills. I think, so in, in 2015, you guys went with Lynx and you went out to America. And- 2010. 2010, 2010 excuse me. And you spent four months, four and a half months out in the wild. And, yeah. and you spent some of that time with kind of modern equipment and then some of that time without anything at all to really kind of hone in on and kind of almost take the you, you said like you felt a bit like almost fraudsters because you hadn't actually got the the proper experience how was that going out and living living properly well that was quite it was quite interesting coming from you know just being in England and li living playing in the woods here to being out in America where there was there was bears that could eat your face off that was quite quite daunting oh, first we wasn't it? We were, yeah we were both quite scared of yeah, the bears right, right. so we were in we were in what felt like true true the wild the real wild kind of thing um and so being out there we spent four and a half months was it of learning skills preparation preparation yeah. so basically learning new skills honing the skills that we had so learning how to turn deer skins into leather to make our clothes making pots foraging foods like learning id of plants that are out there yeah turning everything in nature into something practical and useful was kind of what we did and we thought we had a few skills going out there didn't we yeah. and link said you know to come on her course we have to be prepared we have to have five brain tanned buckskins and we were like what what is this we, we don't know what these are so and at the time 10 years ago there was nothing really on the internet about any of that stuff there was a little youtube a tiny youtube video of a guy there. holding up a deer skin that was you did quite well you did what you thought you needed to do and then we presented them to Lynx. very proud these hard these well they, 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 were, they, were, they, were, they were literally the size of a chamois cloth these bits of leather and they smelt of rotten stuff but they were a little bit soft in some places and links went no no she said what it well, she what goes is what, what is this yeah she went what is this and i went these are these are our deer skins to make stuff out she just went no. no and then she pulled out you know that bit from um the crocodile dundee that ain't a knife this yeah, yeah. This, this this buckskin this piece of leather that was like sort of about six foot tall and about four foot wide and she was like that's a brain tan deer skin i was like oh okay mm. <laughs> so how did how did you how did you feel then you, you're, you're committing to a course or a program like that where you're going to be in the wilderness for you know four months is is, a, is quite a long period of time how did it feel that going out there thinking that you were relatively well equipped and then probably realizing actually you you you're all everything you've learned was textbook rather than actually being able to apply it how did that make you feel it was for me it was like I went out there. I went out there with the the sort of mindset of being I want to be the next kind of Bear Grylls, Ray Mears kind of person, learning all the like the big sort of man skills, chopping trees, making fire, you know that kind of attitude. Yeah. Um, and then when Lynx was saying about this, I realised that actually I knew very little about anything, and it really put me in a place. And you know, then I then you have that thought, you sort of live with that for a bit, going, oh, should we be here? Because it's quite 
is a bit overwhelming. And then you you get taught by Lynx, who's this amazing teacher, amazing woman, who actually knows how to bring out the best in you. So that was mine. That was my kind of place. Yeah, it was kind of interesting, I think, for us to to be learning new skills every day. And um, yeah, I mean, I remember like high tanning and doing. You know, I was kind of a bit. Uh, a bit over uh, enthusiastic I chose the biggest hide there to start on um and it took me like a week to do it and it was exhausting and I you know I I, I probably threw my shoulders out whilst doing it and um at the end of it I presented her with this massive deer hide and she was like yeah it was pretty good and I was like right I want to make trousers I want to make a skirt and I want to make a bag and she said yeah you've got about one leg's worth if that minus the gusset minus the waistband and I like looking back now I did quite enjoy that I quite enjoyed the fact that all I had to do every day was to craft and to learn and to make and everything I was making had a place had a a part in what 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 I needed to use for, for not for survival that's a, I don't for like living, that for day-to-day -day living yeah, for, for day -to -day and I think living. as well that it was kind of like a hockey stick effect of learning we kind of went in there with 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 not what we thought was a lot of knowledge, realising we had very little knowledge at all. And also then, you know, Lynx being the way she teaches, she's a very good teacher in the way that she has standards of what she wants to teach. So if it's not good enough, you have to do it again. So you had to take that on board, which was for me, I always found that hard because I mean, you present someone, you put some time and effort into it and you present it to someone, they're kind of like, no, it's not going to. That's not quite it. And you're like, well, that's well, for me, it is. And then you realise there's a stand you had to work towards, which was it took a while to get used to. But then, you know, Nay's, Nay's got high standards anyway of working and making stuff. I'm kind of like piece it together, bosh it together. And yeah, you say that'll that. Do, that'll do. Yeah. But, but when I, <laughs> when I, I found that out that I made two left moccasins, I very nearly said, that'll do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good, it's good to have those skills. And I think the standard setting is something that's really important, particularly in that environment, because if, if your skill set isn't up to speed or, or up to the standard it needs to be, it will come back and bite you because you need those skills to be properly on point, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And if we fast forward to, I think it was uh, last 2019 out mm -hmm. in Bulgaria. So this is where you guys went to Bulgaria for Surviving the Stone Age, which is currently on TV a three-part documentary um, which is really good it's really entertaining it's really gripping in in some really fascinating ways and I'd like to talk to you guys a bit more about this and how the the standard of your skills how it really matters in that sort of scenario in that environment so let's talk first of all in in episode two there's a bit that really, really sort of stuck out for me, which is, and you guys, I can see it in your faces for, for the benefit of the viewers. It's the night where the rain really, really came in and it didn't stop. And, you know, talking about skill sets, you obviously have the abilities, you obviously have the skill set to build these shelters. But in this scenario, the rain was just absolutely horrendous. And and you can tell from the video, from the, from the TV program, it made you pretty edgy what so for for the context of what i'm trying to get to with your experiences in the outdoors your experiences in the wild your experiences in the wilderness how did that make you feel and how did you how did you keep telling yourselves that everything was going to be okay well that that night was so let's sort of look at the bigger <clears throat> picture of it the built so we'd been living in the wild primitively 
and filming a TV show for nearly two and a half weeks by that point, I think. We just walked over a 2,000 metre mountain. We haven't really been eating much food because there wasn't many resources around to eat. We've been building a shelter, like in individual shelters. Um, fortunately, they and I team, team, we were together, so we built that together. So our energy and our calorie output were just totally one-sided. We were putting out more than we were taking in. And then the rain, the, the drizzle, we started off with drizzle and, and, you know, we were told it was only not going to last very long. And then it turned into this massive rain, just, just rain, just everything was, everything was wet and cold. And it was, you know, we were like, oh, that's fine. Our shelter will, will hold up. We've got our big reindeer furs. We've got our uh, reindeer clothes. We've got our deer clothing. We've got our our jackets and we we're like okay we'll, we'll be fine it'll be okay our shelter was you know we spent a lot of time on it we could have spent more time on it yeah we did we did nap we, we did, we did nap. nap we napped quite, quite yeah energy levels were low so we napped a lot and then you go to bed and then you sort of sleeping and and then i get woken up by nay well because sorry to interrupt you know you go on because you know this no is, no you can continue yeah. but i sleep with my hand underneath my head and I always tried something new for a pillow. And this night I had stuffed my my bag with all of my clothing, um, all of my spare clothing. And I I I didn't I could hear the rain, but I, I couldn't really. And maybe there was an odd drip on me or something. But I put my hand underneath my pillow and my hand just sloshed around. It wasn't damp. It was like there was a small lake underneath my head. And I pulled my reindeer blanket up and it was every part of it was sodden. And I remember like waking Dan up and saying, Dan, I'm wet. And him saying, yes, yes, I know. We're all a little. Bit. I was like, no, 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 I'm really wet. And he's like, it's OK. It's OK. The rain will stop. I don't know why I'm doing this voice for Dan, but I just feel like it suits. And then, um, I don't know, about five minutes passed. And I think he put his arm around me to kind of like, I don't know, give me a gentle, reassuring hug or something. And he was like, nay, you're really wet. It's like, I, I know. And then luckily for me, Dan can sleep in any but no, position. But, but, but before so, that, though, yeah. it was now you've got to imagine for the, for, the, for the listeners as well, you've got to imagine that. You, we can't turn on a light, so it, every, you can't see Pitch your hand. Flat. You can't see your hand in front of you. So it was so dark. We're in the middle of this forest. We're inside a dark shelter that's got like there's no light coming. There's a small door at the front of it, and it's you know, freezing cold, right? And it's freezing cold, cold, and you can't you just turn a light on or anything like that. So it's 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 just all these. You're tired. You're wet. You're hungry. You can't see. You're sort of fondling around. I've just realised Nate is sleeping in like <laughs> two, three inches of water underneath her bed. I'm sort of wedged in the corner of, of this of, of our little shelter, and every, there's no real room to sit up. And when you do sit up, you knock bits of like debris down from the shelter. So it's all happening, and then you start your mind starts focusing in because you've woken up now and you're tuning in. You can hear drip. drip well, you're drip. sleeping in the doorway at this point, aren't you? And I sort of gave Nay my reindeer fur because hers was so wet so she could sleep where I was sleeping that was slightly higher up so it wasn't so wet and then I managed to I was like well I can I have this I have this ability it's one of my superpowers that I can sleep <laughs> absolutely anywhere at any time at any time and so I said to Nay you just sleep there and I'll, I'll sit with my um uh my coyote sort of uh gilet kind of thing that I had this fur body warmer fur body warmer yeah and so I sat up and we were sitting up, 
putting over my head and having my head just through the armhole so I could breathe. And just, I was just sitting up, hunched over, waiting and praying for the morning. And I knew if I looked, you couldn't see out the door, so you couldn't see anything. And I knew Naomi would try and go back to sleep. And my mind was like, well, if I try and stay, stay awake and wait for dawn to come, the morning, the light, yeah, everything like that, time. it's going to be a long, hellish night. And all I had in my head was Shackleton. Just think of Shackleton. Just think of Shackleton. This is nothing. This is one night. You've gone two and a half weeks. You're hungry and tired. But think of Shackleton. And it was that mindset of going, if I, if I let any other emotion in, God, that, that night would have felt like two years probably it was yeah, it was that, that was me that was awful and then on the on the flip side there's my mind sitting there just thinking Shackleton it's not that bad you know I'm putting into context what I'm feeling compared to people who've sort of been through far, far worse scenarios I'm, I'm, and I'm sort of placing myself right okay if they can do that then I can just sit here for one night I can sit here for, and I remember there's my mantra think of Shackleton think of Shackleton think of Shackleton and then you had Nay who was well Nay would tell you how she was feeling in that I was feeling a little weepy. You were feeling, I know I kept saying to you it's going to be okay. It's going to be. You were just like, stop it now. You can't afford to let yourself yeah. feel like that. Do you just. Well, I guess, I guess one, of the, one of the things to remember here is, and we spoke about this offline the other day, is that for your Stone Age person, they don't know the value of sleeping bags and tents. And, you know, they've got a, a house with heating back home that they yeah. probably, they could well have actually stayed in. So to have that playing on your mind as well, you know, through the dark pitch pitch black cold freezing night must have been must have added to the stress but it's, I guess it's testament to both of your resilience and mindset to, to be able to put up with that and to be able to kind of deal with that and and and, and keep focused to the morning without you know properly losing it yeah yeah I mean I I definitely fell apart more than Dan but um, I knew. I mean, we'd had this situation before uh, when we when we done when we did Lynx's course, um, where we attempted to to make a cave out of a overhanging rock and, and sleep oh in a cave, gosh, and yeah. um, all going to sleep. It was all quite jolly because we knew a storm was coming in, and there was a little fire, and you know it was kind of funny that your pillow was a rock, and that your you know your draft excluder was a person, and that you couldn't actually you know straighten your legs out, and it was kind of. It was entertaining. Novelty. It was wasn't novelty it? at the time. And then I think we all drifted off to sleep. And then when we woke up, the wind was howling in, and it was the most uncomfortable I have ever been in my entire life. And again, pitch black, you don't know where anybody is. And you know, you it's that that situation where you're thinking, I am either going to sit here and my my own thoughts are going to hurt this situation, or I can change the situation. And in mm. that situation, um, one of us, one person next to me, I think, was like, I can't do this. And he scrambled out into a proper full-blown storm. Um, and I was like, right, I'm following suit. So the three of us all yeah. clambered around the fire, heated up some rocks, got the fire going, heated up some rocks. And then the snow came down. And you know that the only way you can get through is by telling yourself the sun will rise again pretty yeah, positive soon. Positive mindset, that isn't is it? it? But I wasn't in, in the bulgarian wet situation i wasn't able to kind of feel strong until i could see that glimmer of light like literal glimmer yeah. of light when the yeah. sun came up and i was like right action now i can change things when you can't change the situation it, i personally get this like real sense of vulnerability like i can't i'm not in control i cannot change this and so especially added tiredness and hunger and homesickness 
I, 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 I allowed myself to feel weak, which luckily I had Dan there because he was there, you know, Mr. Motivator. Don't feel weak. You must feel strong. You were going to get through this, blah, 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 you know. And then, and then it, it was the moment when he said to me, do you have Tinder? And I was like, yes, yes, I do. Because I have my emergency Tinder, which I do not use unless. Um, and this was an emergency. And then we just kind of got into action, didn't we? There was, yeah, no, no, there was no ability was, just to be like, I'm freezing, and I, I can't I, move. Yeah, and I think in that situation as well, um, is that you have to have, you have to have that mindset. For me, I have to be, I have to be positive in that way. I have to tell myself it's going to be okay. And essentially, we had no other option. There was yeah. no, there was, there was no plan B. You couldn't just go, oh, I'll go home now, or I'll go and get my jacket on, or I'll just pop on, pop the heating on. There was, there was no other option. So it was a really interesting place for that sort of mindset to be and and, and show sort of resilience where you can't get out. You know, you have to, you have to sort of you can't there's no other there's no other options um and that word didn't make it any easier but you kind of knew that you had to sort of well it was humbling because you knew how to dig deep and get through it because there was no options and then yeah that more when they had she put a little like her a, a dried bark tinder bundle that she hidden away and I remember her bringing it out and I was like oh no you've got you've got that and we you know we worked together in the morning it was so cold it was just above freezing yeah you couldn't move your hands you couldn't you couldn't feel your fingers you couldn't everything was cut we were wet cold tired and it took us probably about 20 minutes half an hour to light this fire and when that fire was lit you had all that for me I had all that built up emotion and that fire was lit and it was going and there's flames and the smoke we weren't quite warm yet but you knew in that instant that all that awfulness has now just been brushed away and it's happened it's in the past you can't change it you're in this moment and it was just overwhelmingly emotional and then you sit there and you just absorb and you breathe and you don't think about and think and then slowly all the other tribes people were coming along and they were like please can we have a bit of your fire I was like I hope you weren't as wet as us and they were like no we were equally as wet as you guys well, it's a really nice moment in the in the program when you get that fire lit and you can just feel the the the, the atmosphere, the stress just slightly just eases off gradually, and you can see in your faces and the way you're communicating with each other that you kind of like, yes, we made it through that horrendous night. We can do it, and now it's a new day, and, and everything's going to be okay. And it, I guess, a, a really interesting question for me is kind of there's two parts to it really. First of all. Did you question your reasons why you were doing this this, yeah, this challenge? Kind of, I mean, yeah. there must be times when you must have been thinking like tired, hungry, freezing cold. Like, what am I doing? I think for me, that definitely have you definitely have that. I know I definitely had it. You get through it, and you're like, this is ridiculous. Why am I doing it? What? But then you also know there's well, we've got there's no other choice. You've got we can't just call the film crew. They're miles away somewhere. We don't. We've got no contact with them. Um, you can't just bail out. The only time you can bail out is when you get through it and they come and start filming you in the morning. So there was there was that bit there for me, but I think I think it was kind of in a in a weird way, kind of I kind of wanted that situation because it pushes your limits. Yeah. For me, that for me it pushed my limits to like the absolute limit of what I'm capable of. And and knowing that on the other flip side of that later on in life when I'm faced with challenges. I know I've got that in my arsenal of like I can get through things. I don't know about you, know how how you felt. Yeah, it's funny because looking back, you just think, gosh, why why was I so emotional? It's one night, 
you know one night we didn't have like a week of of nights like that we figured it out after that um but i suppose it's because it was one of the first experiences of that trip where you realize what you're doing is wholeheartedly real like you know we've all been for a lovely hike and the weather turns and you get cold and you get wet and you've still got i don't know six seven ten miles or whatever it is left to hike but you know at the end of that day you're going to be in your house you're going to be warm you're going to be dry or you're going to get to your tent or whatever it is and i think that just the, the 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 reality of all that we experienced during bulgaria it, it was it was just it was just so real there was there was no changing it and there wasn't a moment I think during that evening where I thought why am I doing this I might have thought I don't want to do this anymore <laughs> you know and I did we, and we all compared stories in the morning and we all said let's be honest here if somebody from the film crew came and said do you want to go to a hotel right now 50% of us, nah, 80% of us would have said yes. <laughs> but we knew that that wasn't going to happen because, of yeah. course, we were out there to experience it for real. But in that moment of weakness, you know, I wonder what would have happened if someone genuinely had come and said that. But but now I look back, like, it was it was, it was was right. What we felt was... was oh, it was so raw. Those emotions important. were raw. Yeah, I think, I think looking back at it, that lesson we learned from it is that no matter how hard your struggles are, if you if you can just try and keep keep your head you know keep it in the same place whether that's you know you know it's different for everybody for me it was my mantras and stuff like that and just sort of trying to talk to myself and put myself in a position comparing to how other people's struggles have been you know it just showed like that true true resilience yeah. which is quite humbling you know looking back at it now really thinking about it because that has definitely given me well, it gave me self-confidence that you know you can you can tackle stuff and like when we've you and i've been out doing those training runs which is up on the, up in snowden and stuff it's like well actually yeah this is quite challenging but i know one it's going to benefit me and and, and uh, it'll be over in a few hours kind of thing yeah, you know, yeah it's yeah. not it's not life or death so you can always push through it you've always got a bit more that's what it gave me and knowing that i've always got that little bit more to push Okay, that's good. That's that's interesting, and I want to come to it a little bit later on about the you know you've got the you've got the tangible skill sets of you know the survival skills and and the and the hunting and foraging and the making stuff etc cetera, etc. Cetera. But we'll talk about what else it's brought you a bit later on. But the you mentioned about five five minutes or so ago about the tribe because uh, those of you that haven't seen the program, there's five or six other individuals in the group as well. Yeah. In, in, you know, you're all part of a of a small tribe of of experienced and knowledgeable people out in the wilderness. What was it like being part of a tribe? And, you know, I know you knew some of them previously, but sort of almost being thrown together into the wilderness and going off and sort of almost like a pack and having to kind of find your place and find your skill set, what, what you can deliver to the group. Talk to us about that a little bit. I think when we went in there, our, our, and I's, our issue always was how are we going to fit in? Because we're around our peers, these people who've been doing this for far, far longer than we have. Um, and it, it felt a bit, you know, we looked at ourselves and thought, what can we offer the group? What can we offer the tribe? And that was a question when they were when they were casting us. He's like, what can you offer? And we felt pressure on the fact we were like, well, we've just been working with kids for the past 10 years. Um, 
our skills aren't as good as these people and you felt oh, you felt this wave of uncertainty um and even when we turned up and met everybody it was like well these people have got they're they're so skilled and so fitting into the tribe that way was a bit is a bit daunting we kind of just put ourselves down to just being the people's people we were just filling the gaps you know kind of thing um and having that as kind of down like a lowly task for us um but what we realized when we were in that group you know once you sit down and chat with everybody and each night we were having um we have like well we have like a power around the fire wouldn't we being grateful for stuff and you just realize everybody was the same um and then after sort of the weeks went by we realized that what now and i bought was that sort of just that real bit that we know we're shooting a tv program but also we knew that we could bring something that people could understand from our point of view instead of being these really really highly skilled people that uh, are up there and they have one perspective or being from the academic side of it nay nay and i knew that we could bring that sort of bit of real life that people could relate to um yeah so it was quite challenging it was i think it was really daunting for us wasn't it going in with these with these with the, with the with all the other people there who had these big skills yeah and it's not really natural um to suddenly say right here's six people some of which you've met some of which you haven't some of which you know some of which you don't um you're going to live with them for a month here you go off you go um and, so and, it, and we're going to film you as well no absolutely. pressure and it, but... and it was completely unnatural and of course this honeymoon period you know where everyone's like oh my god we're so in love and this is brilliant and then of course there's a reality phase where you realize that you have some gripes or that you know you have a low day and maybe you're not connecting to people or that guy's really annoying you or they're not doing things the way you want to do it or no one's listening to you and then you kind of get over that hump as well. And we had to fast track all of these things because normally, you know, your honeymoon period would be a few months, a year. And then, you, you know, your other periods would obviously be a, a lot longer as well. Um, uh, but I think we did incredibly well for a group of people that were put together. Um, and, you know, high, and high achieving people as well, like all, yeah. all predominantly alpha people who know their background, know themselves. Yeah. And I kind of I've, I've always kind of felt like there's there's two sorts of people. Do you mind if I go into this? <laughs> but there's like two sorts of people and um, in a group. And one is um, the person who believes that if they feel good, if they concentrate on themselves and they will be a better part of the group and therefore the group dynamic will work really well and then there's the other side that says I will do everything I can to be the hearth to bring the group together to do everything my priority is the group and if I do that then the group dynamic will be really good and actually Dan and I are complete opposites we're we're, we're group one and group two um which can work um sometimes but it's it's a real it can be a real clash because the people who believe in the in the in the group above the the self um can feel quite um i don't know not not held in the way that you're trying to hold the group if that makes sense and so i'd say the group was was 50 50 you know people that wanted to look after themselves first and people that wanted to look after the group first and that's that's quite a hard hump to get over, actually. And I've I've been in groups before um, where that's been a major, major um, 
focus I suppose and then like you were saying about the roles you are within that constantly thinking well who am I what what is my role you know we had the herbalist we had the bard who brought the, the story and the song we had Lynx who essentially is the glue but like she said not water soluble mm-hmm. um you know we had um we, we had Dan who really was kind of like you, you know you made people laugh that was your job for a really long time yeah. you know and that, you that the was entertainer. the that was the interesting going in there as the entertainer I always thought that was like well, that's the easiest role to have, uh, but it pressure. But it, well, not even the pressure. It was the fact it's the easiest role to have, and actually, is it a worthwhile thing? I didn't think it. I didn't hold it up there for anyone else's skills. It was like a lowly kind you of gesture. made people laugh. I know, but then looking back at it now, you realise actually how valuable that morale. It's a morale booster. But there's pressure. Lot. There's pressure on you because if you're if you're not feeling up to it on a day. And yeah. you, you're the one who's supposed to be keeping everybody else kind of up, up high and, you know, making people laugh and making people feel good. You know, we've spoken about this before, Dan, and particularly on the last pod. If you're not feeling good about yourself, that is going to resonate to the to the yeah. to the rest of the group. And if you chuck on top of that, the hunger, the, you know, the extreme heat and the extreme cold and the rain and the challenges of living in the wilderness as Stone Age people, suddenly you've got this kind of crazy set of environment and, and factors that as modern day people we're just not used to so so it's really cool that you can kind of you can identify that part of a tribe and I think when you said Naomi that you actually kind of you got you got on with it because you were only out there for what was it three or four weeks mm-hmm. and the tribe actually performed really well over those three weeks considering it, it was a group of people thrown together quite a lot of alpha characters in there as well because normally groups you have this kind of storming forming norming and then performing which takes ages mm-hmm. normally but you've kind of compressed that all into a week and a half to get to the performing stage when it all starts to come together which I think starts to happen in the third episode um so that it's, it's really interesting to hear you guys talk about how how the tribe got on but I'm just a little bit conscious of time and I, I really want to get to sort of back to modern life and how not just from surviving the Stone Age, but from all the things you've done in the wilderness and in the outdoors, what what can you guys take and what can you recommend to people who are kind of thinking they might want to get into outdoor education or, or outdoor adventure and all that kind of stuff? What are the lessons that you've taken from your experience that you can apply to life, you know, on a daily basis when you're, com- when you're coming up against stuff that's not necessarily comfortable, you, you know, things like resilience, mindset, all those kind of things? I think for me, I think it's enjoying, enjoying the failures that you have in it. Try everything, you know, try, don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to fail in what you're learning. I think, you know, for me, that's one thing I I always need everything to be perfect. And I realised actually trying to do that, I sort of put myself in this box and wasn't learning as much as I should. So I think for people getting out there, enjoy practicing and don't worry about what anyone else is going to think about you be be the be the difference be that be that person who's different to everybody else um and take on those take on those failures because there's we were chatting about it um the other day weren't we where failure is so important and it's not it's not a negative thing is it at all failure it can be for some people but it's actually it's what you you know hold on to if you fail yeah you're going to be upset with it but hold on to that look at it and then take the lessons from what you not succeed in that and turn it into a positive where you can go actually that didn't work in that way and I I think they're you know massively valuable lessons there so I think people getting into the outdoors doing bushcrafty stuff yeah just go and 
go and find a good like mentor role model you know and um just enjoy being outside and enjoy 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 trying enjoy trying enjoy succeeding enjoy failure you know and i most importantly just keep a journal of it all i think that's like that's one thing I wish I had kept. I'm not a very good journal writer. Yes, you are. Well, I am, but I'm very lazy with it. I'm quite lazy. <laughs> like I get I get bored with it, and it, it's sort of I'll do it for a week or two, and then I'm like, oh, I can't, you know, can't can't be bothered in that way. Um, but yeah, people to keep a journal with with their journey of stuff because it's really it's really important to look back of where you've come from and where you started. Yeah, and I think for me, it's probably about keeping it simple. Don't overthink things. Um, I think it's a really cool thing to do to just ditch all of your kit and just to take a walk. Maybe might be one step too far, but maybe doing it barefoot just to have that extra connection, that kind of extra sensory thing going on. I think that's, I, that's a whole different podcast there with the connection. Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't get me started on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, like we are, especially when we get into the field, you want to learn everything. And so, uh, certainly I still do. But, you know, like, even as when you're looking at kind of foraging and people wanting to know what each mushroom is and everything well have you ever tried a, a leaf from the from a bramble you know do you know all the things a nettle can do you know it's about keeping it really simple about not using a huge amount of kit getting to know your environment taking pleasure and joy in the sit spot and being in a moment and just taking all that in taking in what is around you rather than you bulldozing in with all of these ideas and what you're going to bring to that area just kind of sounds, a, sounds a little bit hippie but I think yeah just seeing what that area can offer when you walk in and don't massively over plan a session as well don't over plan your thoughts I suppose um yeah I think they're my my ideas so I'd like to ask you both a question and you feel free to chuck it back to me if you want to, but are you okay with failure? No. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> I, I massively, massively, I don't know what happened to me, but I fear failure a lot. Um, I, I'm okay when I do it, but it's the fear of that I'm going to do it. Doing it isn't that bad. Actually, failing isn't that bad. You get to have another shot. You get to do it again. You get to learn. But yeah, the fear of failure is basically now your fear is what was i reading the other day the fear of something the fear of so the fear of failure is your own mind it's the bit beforehand dish, dishing yourself that sort of mindset going well actually if i fail a b and c can happen or if i don't do this a b and c will happen you know um do i, I fear, no one likes to really fail when you try hard at something but i think i've you know been on this planet long enough that i've had many 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 yes. many failures in my life um, but then you look back on them and go, actually, if I hadn't had those failures, I wouldn't have reached this place or that place, or I wouldn't have learned this and I wouldn't learn that. So I think it's, I, I don't hold it as a, I think it's there, you know, I understand it. I don't want to fail, but I know that there's always a lesson, a lesson in it. I don't think I could have learned that when I was in my twenties or anything like that. No. I think it comes with, with I think I think that's the key that you just not you know hit the nail on the head there the the key thing about failure is it's okay to fail because you get to have another go but it's the lessons that you learn from failure that are probably bigger than the lessons that you gain from success yeah because when you succeed it's great and everything's brilliant and when when you have when you succeed in a, a challenge or a task or whatever it may be we often as humans particularly in the modern day we, we're, we're on to the next thing we don't we go, oh, I did that, that was cool, what's next? You don't really learn from it as such, but when you fail, 
I think it's a really good opportunity to find out a little bit more about potentially your weaknesses or to find out more about yourself, to find out what you can do to make it right on the next time. And that's a massive lesson that I guess you guys will have learned a lot from your time in the wilderness because there's lots of times when you probably fire-lighting, for example, times when you've tried and failed to get uh, fire going. Well, exactly. And it comes with, you know, like what's the saying? If if someone's only succeed succeed in their life, then they haven't really lived, have they? Exactly. You know, when you when you have success, you get that dopamine hit, you feel great, your body, so all the chemicals in your body fire up and you move on and you know you don't need to look into it because you're winning. When you fail, you have everything else, you have all these other emotions going on. How could I you start you ask yourselves more questions um when you fail? You know, how could I do better? Why didn't it work? Um, where did I go wrong? How can I improve? You know, you, you, then you sort of start planning out the next time you're going to do it. Um, and it's hard <clears> when it's on camera. Though. Well, it's really hard because when it's, <laughs> it's it, added, added pressure. Well, yeah, yeah and also yeah. then you're looking. Then you're looking for take the fishing on on the first episode of the Surviving the Stone Age. When we we were there for two weeks, and we're all supposed that you know we've all got knowledge of fishing and stuff like that. We didn't catch a single fish. And then you start thinking about the cameras there. Then you start thinking about the future. It's going to go on TV. And then all these armchair experts are going to go, well, you should have tried this and you should have tried that. And then you're like this. So you have that fear, you, you know, and then that can either stop you from doing it or can motivate you. And I know for me, that really motivated me. I wanted to catch fish, but we never did. And that was tough. And it was it was really hard. But in that in that situation, we had no other choice but to but to keep keep going. So I think. Uh, I, I like fear. I think sometimes I do relish it. I relish like the fear of failure in a way because I know I'm going to get more lessons from it. But I really appreciate being successful at stuff as well. But that was another big lesson for us, wasn't it? About like letting the ego kind of just like be pushed aside a little bit. Because of course we were being filmed on this TV show. Lots of people were going to see what we were capable of. And so failure was much bigger then because it wasn't just our failure. It was people seeing us. It was very fail. public, wasn't it? It was very public. And especially when maybe you just couldn't do something that day, which is very normal. And so we had to learn. And also maybe somebody else doing that thing and being filmed doing that thing that you know you could have done and you didn't do mm -hmm. earlier that day or whatever so putting that ego aside was was massive for us and just allowing somebody else to do it or or just okay let's stop filming this now i'm not i'm not gonna get it whatever it was that was massive wasn't oh, yeah it? i think i think you're right i think the ego thing if you drop your ego then you you much more appreciate you appreciate more sorry um your failures and your successes because the ego isn't there you've got to have a little bit of ego to achieve stuff but you don't just sort of rely and thrive off i'm better than everybody else yeah so it's, it's that nice balance isn't it you know you need that you need that self-confidence and that you know that understanding that you are capable and you are able as a person as a human to do you know whatever is put in front of you but it's also being open and being okay with the fact that you're not going to succeed every single time yeah because we're just human. We're exactly, we are human. Everybody's yeah, human. Yeah, we are human, and no, that's the best thing about it. Nobody's perfect. Yes. Be nobody. Exactly. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> oh, guys, this has been a really, 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 really cool way to spend an evening, and um, I'm going to sort of start to wrap it up now. And I think there's lots of lessons to be taken from this. I think talking to you, you know, like I said at the beginning, I've got a little bit of sort of outdoor experience, and I love being in the mountains. I love running, but talking to you guys about the benefits of being in there and what it's brought to you as people and as a couple is really it's really inspiring to, to sort of sit and for me to watch and everyone else to listen to 
Um, what's next? Have you got any big, big plans in the pipeline? Obviously, episode three on, on Saturday, I think it's 10 to 7 this week on Channel yeah. 4. I think a couple of movies maybe maybe if there's any movie stars yeah maybe some block <laughs> I don't know really it's all a bit we're all a bit uh with everything going on in the world and the situation right now we're going to enjoy episode three see what that brings you know what we've decided go on we're, we're being open we're going to be open we're just going to be open we're going to let it come in <laughs> nice I think yeah we put it we put it out there and just to, yeah just to be able to see what see what happens um there's a couple of things maybe we're putting on like, some courses with Mance, who yeah. is also on the show. We're going to do some primitive skills courses with him. But as for like big stuff, I don't know. I'm just for, no for, for me. I'm just focusing on all the fun running that we're going to do next year, Ali. Yes, <laughs> some of the things we've been chatting about. Yeah, recently. definitely. Um, and just my big races because that's where I get. I take uh, why I do it. The running is that's where I get the similar feeling of doing the Stone Age thing is being in the moment and and living that and doing it at my own, own pace so for me that's all I'm doing is my running and then yeah May and I are just going to be open to whatever's out there I and might write another book or I think there is another book in the pipeline Maybe, isn't there yeah. yeah so where can people find out a little bit more about about your business and your books uh, so books they can find out with forest school with forest school adventure and urban forest school any good bookstore two different books, two different books. so forest school adventure was our first one and urban forest school was our second one um, aimed at kids and families, getting them outside. Um, they are awesome, by the way. Those books, my nephews have got them. Yeah, we're <laughs> signed yeah. signed copies as well. Yeah, we, yeah, totally. We forged, forged. Forge, no, no, we can sign copies. <laughs> um, so we got them. There, people can find them. If you type into Google, they can drop us an email for our business, for our sort of courses. We're Outback to Basics. Um, Google that. We're on there. Google I'm, that. I'm to, I can't remember. <laughs> outbackbasics.co.uk but they'll find us and they've got courses that we're going to put on um next year we've got what else i've got i've got the, as we know the positive runner i've got some running camps going on next year but yeah i think i think that's about it really just going to be open it's like everybody else we're just going to glide through 2020 and aim for 2021. Just get through 2020. Yeah, see what happens yeah, yeah. in 2021. 2021's a whole new, a whole new chapter. Yeah. So once that's done, we can stop reading chapter 2020 and go on to chapter 2021. 2020 is that cold night. Yeah, totally. Isn't <laughs> that it? cold, wet night. And we can we can all make it to the end. But guys, thank you very much. Thanks so much for giving up your time to speak to us today. Uh, really appreciate it. And I'm sure I'll speak to you both really, really soon and um yeah thank you guys and yeah that's out back to basics if anybody wants to get involved with bushcraft or survival skills get in touch with dan and naomi they will really help you out and they're two really cool decent people so we're going to wrap it up there guys thank you very much for listening and uh keep tuning in it's now available on itunes and spotify so get on the subscribe and leave us a nice review and uh, we'll see you next time thank you bye